Welcome to Happy News Network. We are here to brighten your week while you take a break from doom scrolling. I'm Kristen. And I'm Shayna. We wanted to brighten social media, so we decided to make a podcast all about happy news. Join us as we discuss our happy news finds. Shayna, what is your happy news this week? Okay, so I've discovered that working out in the morning is nice. I took a little break from doing it when I first got back from the TV job, but I I was doing it in the mornings before I would go to set because our hours would be like, you have an 11 a.m. call time and then you're working until 2 a.m. And I would go, okay, well, I'm not working at it at two in the morning. So <laughs> it sort of became this new lovely thing that I'm doing. So like if I work out in the first half of the day, I feel much more energized throughout the whole day. I just feel more awake and more alert and peppier. I don't know. It's such a lovely feeling. So that's my happy news. Yeah. I love that. It's like, you've already checked something major off of your to-do list. So yes, I got out of bed and I was immediately productive. Yeah. I love that. What is your happy news this week? Um, I know it's not Christmas time, but we definitely listened to Christmas music this morning um for no reason um and now I'm wearing like a holiday sweater and like I'm just in like a tis the season peppy kind of mood so let's roll with it here we are maybe I'm gonna make some cookies who knows it's Christmas in May or June (laughs) I'm here for it May miss something Chris May yeah just like listening to some Leslie Odom Jr. holiday album, and I'm so here for it. (laughs) Anytime he sings, it's worth listening, holiday or not. So I'm here for this. (laughs) For real. So in my peppy Instagram scrolling, I found this page. um, It's called Everyday Action Inc. And let me just read their bio to you. Nonprofit. Everyday Action recycles items and food deemed as excess or waste from TV and movie sets and redistributes it to those in need. So I thought that was incredible. And I clicked the link on their bio, which then took me to their fundraiser page, which is through Flower Power Fundraising. So I was like, okay, now what is this place? So... Yeah. Flower power fundraising is like you purchase bulbs, like flower bulbs, and 50% of the cost goes toward the organization and they have a 100% grow guarantee. So if you don't get a bloom or anything, any growth from your bulb, you can like send it back and get better ones or whatever. Uh, So that was awesome. But back to everyday action. So they pick up and like transport food and package food and work shifts from like breakfast all the way through end of day. And their mission is to inspire others to take care of their local community and ask themselves, what can I do to help pick someone up today, like boost their spirit today? How can I be the reason someone feels seen, heard, valued, loved, and supported? And their hope is to bridge the gap between the upper middle class and the millions of Americans in need while inspiring friends and neighbors to do the same and better than that. Um, And they believe that having less doesn't make you less. Having more doesn't make you more. 
and we're all equal and should take care of our world and each other. Um, Everyday Action was founded and is run by two assistant directors out of LA. And like, it's just a really cool, really cool organization. They use um, unemployed or like folks who aren't working at the time who are typical background actors and extras. And they're the ones who like do the pickups at shoot sites for extra food. So it's like a whole like bubble of happiness over in LA and like I'm so here for it. (laughs) I thank you so much for telling me about this and everyone who's listening. I mean, it's, it's so cool that first of all, there was this daisy chain effect, uh, literally of, of different (laughs) ways of doing good all under the hub of just inspiring others to do good. But the idea that there's flower power fundraising and they have this own (laughs) unique mission. And like, you just discovered this whole hub of doing good. And I love the idea of bridging the gaps between worlds to unite us in our humanity. I think that's a really, really beautiful message. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought Shana just did a TV gig. So here's this. <laughs> I'm here for it. And I'm, I'm all about making TV and film sets more green. And it's, it was really challenging because they had started to make really huge growth in that direction. And then COVID hit and it's, it's all got to be really individualized and it's harder to do green on mass that yeah. way when it's so rapid and it has to be individually, uh, sort of custom to customized to each person when you're doing food and catering and stuff. So I love that this is something people are just making an effort and it just starts with effort. It just starts with effort. We've heard it a hundred times from all, you know, all these different articles we featured. Someone just wanted to do something good and it caught on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to talk, this was sort of small grassroots. I'm going to go big corporation for a moment. Um, FedEx is aiming to be carbon neutral by 2040. And I do want to clarify this article that I read was really helpful. Carbon neutrality doesn't mean you have zero carbon emissions. It's about reducing the total emissions and offsetting it all, uh, offsetting what you have uh, in terms of your carbon output via carbon capture. So it means that whatever is capturing your carbon is high enough and you've lowered your carbon emissions enough so that it sort of balances out to roughly zero. So this is going to be about $2 billion in investments over the next 18, 19 years for FedEx. They're investing in SAFs. They're called sustainable aviation fuels. And FedEx has been working towards uh, different aviation aspects of going green in terms of how do you make the flights themselves use less fuel? Like how do you distribute things on the plane so that the fuel is, so that like the weight is overall maximized, the flight is as eco-friendly as it can be. And uh, that's just one aspect of it. This is because they have so many forms of moving packages. They have air, they have vehicles. I'm sure there's shipping involved for international. So their vehicles by 2025, 50% of the purchases that they make for vehicles will be EVs, electric vehicles, which is fantastic. So by 2040, they're going to be fully electric vehicle in terms of their ground transportation. And they're collaborating on getting sustainable shipping and packaging materials, which is 
kind of the biggest aspect in terms of the human, you know, layman customer interaction with them is if we see something sustainable, it also gives us the message that we can be sustainable too. So in some ways, the transportation and the fuel emissions are huge, but they're a much more behind the scene aspect. So I'm very excited about the eco-friendly shipping and packaging because it also means UPS, the USPS, and Amazon can all sort of take note and follow. Um, they're also, this is really, really cool. They're also investing in energy efficient uh, renewable energy. So they're giving $100 million to Yale University's Center for Natural Carbon Capture. And that is a fancy way of saying that Yale University has a dedicated program and center studying reforestation, engineered processes that mimic natural carbon storage, and loads of other possible avenues to deal with man-made ways of, of offsetting carbon. Because as we've studied with the trees a couple episodes ago with trees and carbon dating and how they communicate, reforestation is not a sole solution to utilizing trees and cutting down our forests. So I think that's really, really cool. The idea that we can have man-made solutions possibly. And um, I, I do think FedEx is doing really great stuff. And I hope we can all take note that if we all reduce, reuse, and recycle, it cuts down the need for mass consumption like this in the first place. So if we all sort of do our part, it can kind of lessen one company's need to do so much. But I do want to give FedEx so much credit because I just listed what, like five different lanes of thinking that they've gone down just in this article alone. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I knew I've heard like on commercials, I think that Amazon is trying to do something, but I, but like, this is detailed. This is like a plan. It's not just like our goal is to do this with no like plan how to get there. I'm sure Amazon, mm -hmm. if this is real, like they have a plan too, but knowing FedEx's plan and the, yeah, just like taking into account, like all of the transportation, like all the modes of transportation that FedEx has. Yeah. Cool. Oh, sweet action. Um, I, speaking of FedEx, who has airplanes, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ida Holdgreave. Have you heard of this woman? Maybe it's just because I'm from Dayton, Ohio, like the birthplace of aviation. And I saw this on my Facebook and deep dived into her, her deep dived, deep dove, whatever. Um, English majors, above. come at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Early in the 1900s, there was an ad in a Dayton, Ohio area newspaper searching for someone who could do plain sewing. And Ida Holdgreave answered the ad knowing that she wasn't like the best seamstress, but if it's just plain sewing, like she'll be fine. But it turned out to be the Wright brothers needing someone to sew airplanes. She just thought like the spelling was wrong because of somebody messing up at the newspaper not because airplanes weren't like a thing. Like, you know, it wasn't like a common word that we all talk about planes now. We know what that means. So she was like, oh, just a typo. It's fine. So she got hired by the Wright brothers and she ended up working on the floor of the first ever airplane factory, making her the first woman in like in the industry of aerospace because aerospace was literally invented <laughs> and Ida like throughout her years working with the Wright brothers she traveled to France and learned well no she didn't travel to France because she didn't fly until she was like in her 80s but some French engineer came to Dayton or somewhere nearby 
and taught her like why to use this type of fabric, how to like the proper kinds of stitching. And then she ended up leading an entire team of seamstresses, not only to sew some of the first airplanes, but then like when the airplanes crash in tests and stuff, they're the ones who had to repair it because all that canvas was being ripped. So they had to repair them safe and sturdy using all kinds of techniques that they just kind of created their in West Dayton in this first ever airplane factory. And when she retired, she ended in the 60s, I think it was, she ended up teaching workshops and classes at a Dayton local department store. And like, over, it's been over 100 years since this happened. And that Wright Company factory still stands in West Dayton. And in 2019, it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. The National Park Service hopes to turn it into a museum where not only the birth of aviation can come to life, but also Ida's story can be shared with visitors forever. I'm obsessed with the fact that she not only was the first woman involved in the industry, but she was there from the beginning. Like that is so cool. And I, I just, how many times have we answered the most random phone calls or emails? Like, can you come work on this project? And we say yes. And it turns out to be a fascinating experience that you never thought would have led you places. Otherwise she literally did that with airplanes. I know. And like totally by accident. Like, yes. (laughs) And I love the whole, like, fake it till you make it. Like, we don't know what we're sewing, but we're going to just figure this out. Like those women were probably so much uh, craftier, both in terms of like actual crafting, but also like the crafty mindset of, figuring it like being resourceful and playful in your responses to to needing to adapt. I I I can't wait to someday go visit this when it becomes a museum. Yeah, like I'm really excited about that. And I read about her first flight that she didn't she didn't fly for the first time until she was like 85. Like she was she was like, you know what, I guess I'll just do this. She saw enough in her early days. (laughs) Right. She's like, I don't, I've seen enough accidents. I don't need to, (laughs) but she like, when she came down, the first thing she said was, I couldn't hear very well up there. (laughs) I bet her ears popped because they didn't give her bubble gum. (laughs) Well, I'm like, that's so something that like my grandma would say too, like also from that part of Ohio. I'm like, okay, well. So I'm going to talk about someone who's also an elderly community member. Um, This is an old article. Like the article that I found was from 2013, but it's been resurfacing and it was sent to us by our favorite Dr. Candy, Dr. Candice Myrie, Dr. Bikini, all of the above names apply. She's great. And she always sends us happy news articles. And I'm so glad to use this one. Um, Okay. Growing up in a rough, New York City neighborhood, Harris Rosen became a hotelier in Orlando, Florida, and his company owns seven hotels. And so he's been putting his money to use to to just make his community better. And he's been doing this for over two decades. So he's been trying to use his money for good is is sort of his mission. Tangelo Park in Florida had really high crime rates, only a 25% graduation rate at the high school. And the community had about 3,000 people in it. And so 20 or so years ago, 
he started putting his money to good use and he did things like pay daycare for parents. He would pay free tuition to Florida State Colleges via a scholarship program for any student in the neighborhood who benefited from going to that daycare and make their way through the school system, who graduated high school, anyone from the neighborhood who wanted to go to college in Florida, he paid for it. So in two decades, as of 2013, Mr. Rosen has donated over $10 million directly to his neighborhood, and the results are amazing. Uh, The high school graduation rate is nearly 100%, and some of the property values in certain parts of the neighborhood have gone up four times. So there's been a 400% increase, which is insane. Uh, The crime rate has been cut in half, and most importantly, people have hope. Kids have hope, parents have resources, everybody wins. And I love this quote. He said, hospitality really is appreciating a fellow human being. So I just feel like if that's his memo for his business and his and his sort of philanthropy uh, mentality, it I we all need to adapt it then. Yes, yes, yes. More of this. Doing good for your local the people that you're around, you can affect them in a positive way. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I think don't we all wish we could give back to our community in so many ways and people who didn't grow up with much, how great would it be to know that you could graduate high school and have hope that you could get help to take that next step into adulthood because college is very expensive. Even if it's inexpensive, it's expensive. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an expense that's now a requirement of being alive. And so for someone to say, I have all this extra money. I'm going to give it to the people who don't have any. I think that's yeah. yeah. So beautiful. It's like, it reminds me of that episode of The Office, but like it ended well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of furthering education, I have an amazing Gen Z gal for us. I know we're loving us some Gen Z right now. So here's, here's the deal. Deja Taylor is a high school student in Iowa City who took a regular science fair project and just like wants to save the world now. So she has always loved Grey's Anatomy. Like being in high school now, I'm I think that means Grey's Anatomy has been on her entire life. Um, <laughs> right. Oh. Like I watched it when I was in high school. So I'm pretty sure it's been on her whole life. Anyway, oh, man. I <laughs> she so she wanted to go to medical school after watching Grey's Anatomy her entire life. She wants to go to medical medical school, so she asked for like a suture kit to practice the art of stitching. Mm-hmm. And throughout her practice, she learned that a major cause of death in developing countries is infection after surgeries. And I watched this video where Deja herself explained how like the pH level in human blood increases when there's an infection. And she already knows because she's brilliant. She knows that beets, like the root vegetable beets change color when the pH level increases. So she took her sutures and dyed them using natural beet juices. And when pH levels change, the color changes. So she invented color changing stitches that can help indicate infections which can like can and will save so many lives and she said she's not going to rest until she's able to get this seemingly simple method to developing countries and save as many lives as possible like and I think she's like 17 like get out of here that's incredible it's this is insane and I also um 
this is the first time you and I've ever picked the same exact article. I know. Uh, just a friendly reminder to people, we surprise each other with our articles each week. And I went to enter mine into our document and I went, how dare she, um, which is fine. Uh, it was also sent in. I just want to give a quick shout out to my cousin. My cousin Liz sent this in and I was like, oh, I can't wait to share it. And then Kristen beat me to it. But no, if you want to keep talking about it, I will gladly keep talking. No, about it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I'm so glad that you, that you got to summarize it because I, I always, feel like I just ramble when it's science and medical. <laughs> so thank you. Um, it's it, you, you sort of summarized it all so succinctly and, and comprehensively. Um, I think it's really genius to use the natural dye, uh, especially with people, you know, more and more people have synthetic dye allergies and reactions. The idea that you can use a natural product and it's sort of reverting back to the original concept of you know, indigenous people listening to the land, living off the land, being one with exactly. the land. I, I kind of love that mentality and that she was able to put modern technology together and create a system for it using something so natural as beet juice and pH colors changing naturally. Yeah. It's so smart. It's so smart and so simple really when you mm -hmm. get down to it. But nobody else has come up with this. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I hope that, I hope that the developing countries will benefit from this first because mm -hmm. they don't have yeah. quite the capacity and resources and numbers to, mm -hmm. to sustain hospital levels. So I, I hope that those countries benefit so much from this. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting stuff happening right now. Yes. Okay. Are you ready for a museum roundup? Oh, yes. I love a good roundup. Let's party. <laughs> okay. The first is the Louvre in Paris, France, and they have about half a million items available for viewing. And you can like, you can see the Mona Lisa from the comfort of your desk, Kristen, like this is your lunch break is you're going to just go on like a tour of the Louvre. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> can't take this phone call. I'm at the Louvre. Like <laughs> what? You're, not supposed you're under contract to not travel. Oh, it's a digital one. Um, so they have items from their storage facilities available for viewing that, you know, these items just haven't been seen or aren't usually seen, which is really cool. And they designed, they sort of redesigned and, and used their platform to make it more immersive. So there are also items from the Delacroix Museum, uh, which is also run by the Louvre. So they're sort of putting all their different um, wings of, of Louvre collections together into this one digital hub through their website. And what I love about this is, uh, in addition to being able to see the winged victory in my pajamas, uh, they have works recovered from Germany from after World War II waiting to be restored to the families from which they were looted. So they've been ramping up the efforts. They have nearly 14,000 items that they collected during 1933 into 1945. And they're hoping to verify all these items within five years. And they oh my gosh, it was so cool. Someone from the, from the museum said they have nothing to hide and the reputational risk is enormous. Like if they were to un, unofficially verify the artwork in a different capacity, um, like maybe they only verify the artist, but not the ownership of it. And so they want to let future generations know the history behind art and art collections. They want people to know the truth behind the paintings, ownership and history. I I'm so obsessed with that. I'm so <laughs> obsessed with that. So, so did you ever go to the Cleveland Museum of Art? No. 
Okay. That was probably a little far from you. Yeah. <laughs> so the Cleveland Museum of Art has a home is where the art is motto right now. And they have Art Lens, which is this artificial intelligence system. And it's just a page on their website where you can upload a photo of life imitating art and it'll match the photo to a piece of art. So like if you put a charcuterie board with wine bottles up, it'll match it to a still life or like a dog <sighs> in a dramatic pose might look like a lady on a fainting couch. <laughs> oh, so wow. Cute. I did not know I needed that, but I needed that. In my it's life. so cute. And they also have Art Lens for Slack, which is a huge work channel that's being used these days. So people can upload art via the app extension and it's used, it can be used in meetings as a prompt or a way to just make meetings more engaging, which is really cool. And they also, they also have the entire art museum's collections available online via high-res photos and 3D models and video. It's so cool. Like I was looking at a, a bust of of someone from ancient Egypt. And I saw it in more detail than if I'd been at the museum because I could look at the 360 Mm -hmm. scanning of it. It was so cool. And then (laughs) last but not least, we're going to go to Houston to the Children's Museum. They have a whole digital connection for educators and it's a whole programming that's designed to fit the Texas education curriculum. And it's all sorted by topic. So there's like English and reading, there's fine arts, there's science. So there's daily live programming. They've got an exhibit called Heart and Soul. So it's a whole growing up in Korea section. They have 3D virtual field trips that are sorted by age. And they also have one that's all in Spanish. They have free science workshops from home. So Kristen, you and I can do the science workshops and we can learn about lightning and electricity. (laughs) We can learn about weather systems and cold fronts. We can do Geek Out Live, their daily virtual series, and we can learn about upcycling or photo hologram projectors from your phone. What? Let's go. I think we're going to have to go to the kids museum in the free (laughs) enough category. (laughs) And that concludes my virtual museum tour for everybody. I love that. It's just more ways to like what we've gotten in this last year is just more ways to be in more places like traveling without leaving your couch. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really pumped about that. And I hope that like when all this is said and done, like that continues. Mm-hmm. I hope, you know, museums and historical sites, they don't make their items exclusive again. I hope there's a bit more of an inclusive aspect. Like I think P- about people like our, like, remember that the teacher that we covered a few episodes ago, uh-huh. like maybe he can utilize some of these virtual exhibits using all the technology because not every family where he is has great internet or resources, but he can put together educational information for his students yeah. using this. So I hope yeah. stuff like this continues. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Yeah. What are you, so what are you looking forward to? We've talked about so much good stuff. What's, what's happy in the next couple of days for you? So I've been, this is so silly, but like, I've finally been like working consistently with a steady ish paycheck steadier than the last year paycheck. And I'm really excited to just like go out and buy myself an outfit. Now I'm finally comfortable enough with my income that like I'm about to go buy like head to toe, like shoes to earrings. Let's 
let's go buy an outfit. So I'm very And now you have places to go that you can wear outfits <laughs> to. It's not just right. the same four leggings and t-shirts that we've all been wearing the last year. So, oh God, sitting in that outfit right now, leggings and t-shirt. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I love um, it. So no, I'm, I'm talked about it. <laughs> yeah. What are you looking forward to? I need to do some photo digging and do this um, art lens on the Cleveland website. I want to play with it because it looks so cute. I really can't wait to just take the afternoon one day and (laughs) pretend to work, but actually just make our dog look like she's an old Victorian woman on a sofa. (laughs) Research. (laughs) I know I need to pick the right pictures. So that's going to be like a whole project and I'll probably just send it to friends and family to cheer them up. (laughs) I love it. Perfect. We love all forms of happy news and happenings. Be sure to send us your own day-to-day happy news. Cute pet stories, kids saying the darndest things. Whatever you're up to, we love it all. Email us at hnnpodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on social media at hnnpodcast for happy news throughout the week. And be sure to subscribe to us through Patreon where you'll get exclusive content and more. Until next time, I'm Kristen. And I'm Shayna. Have Have a happy happy week. week.